The University of Florida College of Medicine is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, ACCME, to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The University of Florida College of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. The use of robotic-assisted techniques is growing fast in several surgical disciplines, now including thoracic surgery. Today we're talking to Dr. Tiago Machuca. He's a thoracic surgeon and surgical director of the Adult and Pediatric Lung Transplant Program at the University of Florida in the Division of Thoracic and Cardiovascular Surgery. Dr. Machuca practices at UF Health Shands Hospital in Gainesville. Today, we will aim to understand the current treatment algorithms for early-stage lung cancer, identify the potential benefits from minimally invasive thoracic surgery to treat lung cancer, and recognize expected quality metrics that lead to improved outcomes. I'm so glad to have you join us today, Dr. Machuca. Before we get going, let's set the stage. What are you seeing as far as incidence and prevalence of lung cancer? Do you feel that there's more awareness and are people getting the message? I think that there's an increasing awareness on, on the problem that lung cancer represents nowadays. And not only that, but I think that the utilization of more uh, consistent lung cancer screening programs and also the use or increased use of uh, imaging techniques such as a uh, chest CT scans for uh, unrelated reasons, I think we end up seeing an increasing number of early stage lung cancers. Uh, but certainly I think there's a lot that needs to improve if you, if you look back and, and just understanding that lung cancer continues to be the, amongst all cancers, the one with the highest mortality. We still need to do a lot to, to get to a, to a better spot. Let's talk a little bit about screening. So the screening now, there are guidelines. Tell us a little bit about low-dose CT screening for early-stage lung cancer. So the evidence for lung cancer screening comes all from the uh, National Lung Screening Trial that was uh, published in 2011 at the New England Journal of Medicine. So in that trial, the, the researchers uh, uh, enrolled from 2002 to 2004 close to 54,000 patients that were at higher risk for lung cancer. So those were patients that had uh, between 55 and 74 years old, and they had more than 30-pack years smoking history, and they were either current smokers or they had quit less than 15 years uh, smoking. So these were considered patients at higher risk. On that trial, they were able to show a relative reduction of 20% in the mortality uh, from lung cancer on patients that were screened with low-dose CT scans. So the way that the trial was designed is patients were either randomized for low-dose CT scans or they were randomized to just a standard chest x-rays. And what we observed is that those patients randomized to low-dose CT, uh, chest CT scans, uh, had a reduction in their lung cancer mortality. So after that publication, several professional associations started to support lung cancer screening, and it went all the way to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force that now support lung cancer screening for patients between 55 and 80 years of age who had smoked more than 30-pack years 
and were either current smokers or had quit less than 15 years ago. So this is the, the patient population uh, that mostly benefits from lung cancer screening with low-dose chest CT scans. And when you look at low-dose chest CT scans, how does that compare to regular uh, CT scans or even to chest x-ray? So if you undergo a regular chest CT scan, the radiation ex exposure tends to be around 8 millisieverts, and that goes to 1.5 when you're talking about low-dose CT scans. And it compares to 0.1 millisievert for patients undergoing a plain chest x-ray. Well, then please help us to understand the current treatment algorithms for early-stage lung cancer, whether you're starting at initial evaluation and clinical stage and pretreatment evaluation. Give us a little understanding of these algorithms. Correct. So I think that uh, a lot of the, the, the treatment options and, and, more importantly, the prognosis of lung cancer is going to be dictated by the stage. Right, so what's the stage of that lung cancer? Is Are we talking about stage 1, 2, 3, or 4? When we talk about screening for lung cancer, when we talk about using surgical therapies for curative intent in lung cancer, we, we're talking more, more about cancers in the stage 1 and 2. So these are, are small lesions for stage 1 up to 3 centimeters and for stage 2 up to 5 centimeters that do not have any spread to other areas uh, such as uh, mediastinal lymph nodes or, or metastasis to adrenal glands or, or liver or, or bones or, or, or the brain which are the most common sites of metastasis from lung cancer. So when you're talking about these types of lesions, they're usually smaller than five centimeters with no metastasis to mediastinal lymph nodes or to, to other organs. You are talking about curative intent, uh, local therapy, added or not by systemic therapy, depending if there's any regional spread to hilar lymph nodes or, or let's say intrapulmonary lymph nodes. When you start talking about, let's say, more advanced stages, such as stage 3 or 4, when, when they're spread to those areas mentioned before, mediastinal lymph nodes or other organs, then the treatment focus starts to be more like systemic therapy with chemotherapy, and now we have seen a, a boom in, in immunotherapy for lung cancer. Uh, with improved outcomes. I think that that's how you stratify what are your treatment options and, and algorithms to, to do further investigation on patients with lung cancer and, and also to come with a therapeutic plan. Well, thank you for that very comprehensive answer. So as we are working on identifying the potential benefits from minimally invasive thoracic surgery to treat lung cancer, on the surgical side, Dr. Machuka, the field has moved. Are there many more cases being managed through minimally invasive and newer kinds of techniques? Give us a little bit of an overview of some of the techniques and surgeries that you perform. Yes, if you look uh, back uh, 5, 10, 15 years, a lot of the surgical therapy of lung cancer was centered on open surgery. So let's say conventional, standard, open thoracotomy to resect portion of the lung, most often a, a lobectomy. That's how uh, it, it was done and that's how it's still done uh, in, in some circumstances. But 
The problem with that is that that involves a large incision and especially spreading the ribs. So with spreading the ribs through an open uh, large incision, later on patients will have an increased pain, a, a longer post-operative recovery course, and also that was all tied with uh, increased rates of uh, complications, and that's mainly uh, respiratory complications. So even though that the, we knew that surgical therapy for lung cancer involved removing a portion of it with the lymph nodes, most often through a lobectomy, it was being done through open incisions, and with that, I think that we, we were seeing an impact on the post-operative course of our patients. So luckily, with the addition of, of new technologies, with uh, the utilization of videoscopes, and more recent, with uh, the addition of robotics, nowadays we have been able to perform these operations through small incisions, usually three or four incisions, about 8 to 12 millimeters, and more importantly, we do not spread any ribs. There's no fracture on the ribs. There's no pressure on top of the uh, intercostal nerves. And with these uh, newer techniques through small incisions, we are seeing that the surgical trauma on our patients is, is a lot improved. So with that, the patients tend to recover faster. They, they report uh, uh, less pain on the incision and with less pain, they're able to take deeper breaths. They have a more effective cough. They avoid uh, uh, atelectasis or need for bronchoscopies for bronchial toilet uh, or mucus plugging. So with all of that, what we see is that there's an improved outcome in patients with lung cancer with the utilization of these uh, newer techniques for treatment of lung cancer. Wow, it is amazing, the technology. Dr. Machuca, how are you recognizing the expected quality metrics that are leading to these improved outcomes? So when you talk about quality measures for early stage lung cancer and surgical treatment, I think we need to focus on, on four important metrics. And those are patients undergoing anatomic resections, meaning either a lobectomy or anatomical segmentectomy versus a, a wedge resection. Uh, patients that undergo their lung cancer operation within eight weeks from the lung cancer diagnosis, uh, patients that have a negative margin on the resection, and lastly, having at least 10 or more lymph nodes uh, resected or sampled uh, during their lung cancer surgery. So what is known nowadays is that when patients achieve or when the operation achieves those four metrics, uh, patients tend to have a significantly better outcome. Another important quality measure here in a lung cancer staging uh, and treatment is related to invasive mediastinal staging. So when do patients benefit from undergoing either endobronchial ultrasound or a mediastinoscopy to uh, uh, look for mediastinal lymph node metastasis is very important and will likely dictate what is the therapy that they're going to undergo later on. So those patients with uh, tumors more than three centimeters, whenever you have, have more than a T1, so T2 tumors, or also patients with uh, suspicion of metastasis to hilar lymph nodes, uh, meaning uh, patients with N1 disease, 
and also patients with suspicions to mediastinal lymph node metastasis N2. All these patients should undergo invasive mediastinal staging because they're at higher risk for having mediastinal metastasis. With that, I think we, we should also consider those patients that have T1 lesions that are central, so they never have tumors up to 3 centimeters, but when, whenever they're centrally located in the lung, they also have an indication to, to undergo invasive mediastinal staging. So I think this is another very important metric in lung cancer management that oftentimes goes understated. So these are the patients that are at higher risk for a mediastinal lymph node metastasis. So they tend to benefit from invasive mediastinal staging, and that certainly is going to impact later on what is the chosen appropriate therapy uh, for their lung cancer. As we wrap up, tell us about some of the latest advances in lung cancer treatment. What are some of the most exciting things that you're doing and that other oncologists should know that could be practice changing? The way I see lung cancer treatment is that you, you need to provide, let's say, excellent surgery to your patients with decreasing morbidity, decreasing mortality, what we are seeing with minimal invasive techniques is that we are opening a therapeutic window to patients that were not considered for surgery before. So if you take older patients or patients that have limited lung function or more comorbidities, these were the patients that had the highest complication rates with open lung cancer surgery. So I do think that there has been a complete shift in paradigm when you consider these patients nowadays for surgery. You really uh, need to make your referring physicians, pulmonary physicians, medical oncologists aware that, that this new era of lung cancer surgery has completely changed. So now, nowadays with the use of these advanced techniques, we're able to offer surgery for patients that will be very hesitant in the past because these patients would have a, a higher rate of respiratory complications, higher mortality. So with all of that, I think that uh, we are seeing more and more patients that can be considered for therapeutic surgical treatment of lung cancer with improved outcomes. So I think that this is a number one that uh, we we're certainly seeing this shift. And then number two, I think that there has been a, also a, a higher consideration for lung sparing procedures. So just think that patients that uh, have limited lung function, if you can provide a oncologically sound resection, but on the same time preserve lung, I think that that patient is going to have a big benefit. So Nowadays, with the use of, let's say, segmental resection, so anatomical segmentectomies that can be performed robotically or bronchoplastic procedures. So let's say instead of uh, performing a pneumonectomy, removing the entire lung, you would perform a, a resection uh, of a lobe of the lung and then reconstruct the, the airway, performing a bronchial anastomosis. So with these lung sparing procedures, uh, I think uh, it illustrates very well another, let's say, uh, um, window in lung cancer surgery that we, we can consider. So patients that have borderline lung function that we can uh, still offer the ideal oncological procedure, therapeutic procedure, but on the other hand, we will also be able to preserve lung instead of removing the entire lung or the entire lobe. We can preserve lung so that patient is going to have 
a lower impact on his post-operative lung function and tied to that better quality of life. It is great information. And Dr. Machuca, do you have any final thoughts? What would you like other providers to know about the importance of understanding and giving lung cancer patients better results with robotic surgeries and innovative techniques and when you feel it's important that they refer to the specialists at UF Health Shands Hospital? Yes, what I think uh, is, is really important is uh, consider a team approach. If you think of, uh, let's say, our internal lung cancer group here, but we also partner with outside uh, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, to try to, to provide the best, let's say, recommendation for the management of lung cancer of any given patient. So whenever you have this team approach with unbiased views and everyone is aligned to get the best outcome for the patient, I think that that's when you uh, uh, are truly impacting lung cancer care. So what I think is truly important is whenever you are seeing a patient with lung cancer is, is really uh, seeing if there's any value in adding a thoracic surgeon in decision making. So let's say, denying an operation to, to a patient with, with a potential curable lung cancer based on previous assumptions or previous experiences, I think that patient will benefit a lot if you can change that view. So if you can uh, consider involving a surgeon and we'll always have a team approach and talk back to our referring physicians to come up with what's the best plan for that patient. So I, I oftentimes receive patients uh, that are borderline or considered high risk for resection. And a lot of these patients, we, we end up being able to, to take to the OR and do a curative intent lung cancer surgery, and they do very well. But on the other hand, when I would feel that the patient is not a good surgical candidate, we just circle back with the referring physician and, and, and come up with an alternative plan. So I think that considering that team approach so you can come up with the best therapeutic plan for your patient is very important. And, and, and by team approach, uh, uh, oftentimes, uh, consider involving a dedicated thoracic surgeon on, on that algorithm. Thank you so much, Dr. Machuca, for coming on. It's a fascinating topic, and thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. And that concludes this episode of UF Health Med EdCast with UF Health Shands Hospital. To learn more about this and other healthcare topics at UF Health Shands Hospital, please visit ufhealth.org slash medmatters to get connected with one of our providers. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other UF Health Shands Hospital podcasts. For more health tips and updates on the latest medical advancements and breakthroughs, please follow us on your social channels. I'm Melanie Cole.